0: Hey everybody, I've been a little slow the last couple weeks getting the podcasts up and that's because of preparations for my trip to the Philippines and tomorrow is the big day and uh, so before I leave tomorrow I'm getting these um, previous two podcast episodes up and uh, that's about all the update I have for now so enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. 1 Corinthians 15 is is a, a fairly long chapter, and really, if you had to put a, a heading on that chapter of what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is about. It's all about resurrection. It's about the resurrection of Christ. It's about um, what what our resurrection will be like. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 5 says he was seen of Cephas. And that's Peter. He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once. Of whom the greater part remain unto this present But some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. Last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. And so Paul gives, first of all, he gives these eyewitness accounts. Uh, Not only did he appear privately to Peter and the twelve. Remember that that when Jesus rose from the dead, it's not as if that was just a completely secret thing, or as if he rose from the dead and then just immediately went into heaven. For 40 days and nights, he was there with the disciples, teaching them. And Christ was, it it describes here, at, at one time, there were 500 people that saw him. And as Paul's writing this nearly 30 years after the resurrection of Christ, he says... Most of those people are still alive. You could go and look them up. You could go, uh, you know, they'd probably be in the vicinity of Jerusalem there. And you could go and find these people and they could tell you how they had seen him physically risen from the dead. And, you know, so, so for these people in that day, they had maybe even a greater ability to go and verify these things. Uh, these are things we take by faith because You know, we have faith in the accuracy of the scriptures, but for them, they could go and check it out, right? You could go and interview people and you could find and and test the veracity of these people who had claimed to have seen Christ. Uh, So he, he describes there, he says he was seen of James, he was seen of all the apostles, and Paul even includes himself in that number. Now remember that the apostle Paul did not see Christ during that period of time between his his uh, resurrection and his ascension or if he if he did we don't know about it but what he's talking about is when he was there on the road to Damascus and Christ appeared to him he saw not just the risen Christ but the risen and ascended Christ glorified um, so that, so that the, the light that it describes there even, even blinded Paul. It was such a, such a great thing. He saw the risen, ascended, glorified Lord Jesus Christ. And so when Paul writes these things about the resurrection, he knows that it's true because he knows what he himself had seen. And so he says there, last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. By the way, um, when, when the Apostle Paul says there, Last of all, he was seen of me also. Uh, you know, there's people today that claim that they have visions of Christ and that kind of thing. Paul says, Last of all, he was seen of me as of one born out of due time. You know, the Apostle Paul also says about himself that it was given to him to fulfill or to complete the word of God. There's not, there's not scripture, there's not inspired scripture still being written today. The word of God is complete. And, and likewise, you see, Paul says there that he, that Christ appeared to him last of all. And so Paul sees the risen Lord Jesus Christ, sees him physically and, um, he he uh, describes himself there, verse 9. The reason he was last of all is he says that I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. And so Paul, that you know, that encounter that he had with the Lord Jesus Christ was something that certainly he was, he was saved there as he believed on Christ. He previously had been trying to find these people who claimed to believe in Christ and put them to death. He believes on Christ there, but he is energized and motivated by the grace of God to go out and to labor and to work, right? And he says that that, that grace of God... Um, caused him to labor more than all the other ones that had seen the risen Christ. Now, uh, again, this chapter here, 1 Corinthians 15, deals with a lot of matters of resurrection and, and not just Christ's resurrection. But on the, on the basis of that, you see in verse 12, uh, there, was a, there was a teaching that was going out in Corinth and many other places that there was no resurrection of the dead. Right? and this was something that apparently was even taking root in the christian churches that there was no resurrection of the dead um, now that might seem very you know very strange to us although i i suspect that there are many preachers today that believe that as well uh you know as you see humanism and and you know these other things that have crept in to the church um you you know there's there's Several popular books right now, uh, for instance, that question the existence of hell, right? And also, by extension, in some ways question the existence of heaven as well, and question the idea of resurrection. Uh, So that's that's not something that was just in that day and isn't around today. Uh, There are many people that sit in churches every week that claim to be Christians that believe that the creation just came about by chance. That they're just a a collection of chemicals that came together by chance and when they die they're just dead and gone and that's it. And they may view Christianity or or what they call Christianity, they may view it as a good way to live or or just a beneficial lifestyle or or whatever, but have no real belief or, or hope. Of resurrection and and so Paul says in verse 12 now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead he links together Christ's resurrection with our hope of resurrection and what he's saying is how, how can there be no resurrection of the dead if Christ rose from the dead now, the Apostle Paul, when, when he presents these arguments, he does it in a very logical way, right? He gives the proof, the eyewitness proof, of the resurrection of Christ. And now he's going to treat that as being a, an established fact. It is an established fact by this time in, in this passage that Christ did rise from the dead. And so Paul says, on the basis of that, how could anybody say there's no resurrection of the dead? There has to at least, at least be Christ's resurrection from the dead, an established fact, that you can go out and find the eyewitnesses to, how could, how could anybody preach that there is no resurrection of the dead? And he says in verse 13, But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, then, then to, to have faith in Christ is a vain thing. To have faith in a, in a dead man? Now, the world often does that, puts, a, puts their faith in dead men. But to have faith in a, in a dead man and essentially in a dead God, as Jesus Christ is God, to have faith in a dead God, what a vain and empty thing to have faith in. But he says if Christ isn't risen, our preaching is vain. Why, why put all this effort? Why, you know, why should the Apostle Paul go and, and suffer all the things he suffered for the name of Christ? And go and put all of that effort in if there is no resurrection of the dead and if Christ isn't raised. Why, what would be the point? And, and again, he says, your faith also is vain. He says, yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, then I am a liar and many of you are liars. Um, and, you know, there's no sense in believing a pack of lies. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, we might as well end the service now, walk out the door and never come back, because, because there's no point in this, right? If there's no resurrection of the dead, might as well go out, might as well live a, a life that's pleasurable to you, and, and, you know, do that until that life is over. So verse 16, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 16 says, For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. And then he says, ye are yet in your sins. Without the resurrection, your sins cannot be dealt with. Uh, you cannot believe that you have any kind of, of forgiveness or, or justification from God if Christ is isn't raised and so what what paul is calling these corinthians to do because again they appear to have been kind of flirting with this idea that there was no resurrection by the way that probably came you know that that um, when when christ was on the earth there were two main religious groups in israel that he kind of kind of wrestled with at various times the one was the pharisees And the Pharisees were the religious fundamentalists. The Pharisees uh, took took the Bible very literally. And the problem with the Pharisees was their hypocrisy. And they believed many of the right things, but they didn't do the right things. And so Paul Paul Christ told um, the people to do the things the Pharisees tell you to do, but don't do the things they do, because he says they say and do not. On the other side, you had these Sadducees, another another group, um, and they did not believe the Bible literally. They didn't believe in resurrection. They didn't believe in spirits. They didn't believe in in angels. Um, they took those things as as being figurative and not literal, and they didn't they didn't believe the scriptures. And the problem with those Sadducees again was. They didn't believe the Bible. You know, two very different problems with those different groups. But that same division and that, that uh, false teaching of the Sadducees probably is where this teaching came then into these Christian churches. And what, what uh, Paul says, if, if Christ isn't raised, so again, very logical argument. If there's no resurrection, then Christ isn't raised. And if Christ isn't raised, you're yet in your sins. You have no hope to have your sins dealt with, if Jesus Christ only died on the cross, but didn't rise from the dead, there's no hope. He says in verse 18, Then they also, which are fallen asleep in Christ, are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Uh, There was a, a... preacher who said that, you know, many people say that the resurrection of Christ is a myth. And he said if the uh, resurrection of Christ is a myth, then we are myth-taken, mythified, and what did he say? Oh, and most miserable mither- That's hard to say. But uh, uh, that's the, the argument Paul's dealing with here. Uh, if it's a myth, then there is no hope. Right? If, if this life is all there is, look, look around. Um, you know, maybe there's people that are relatively happy in this life, but you see the, the sin and the death and the destruction and all these things in this life. If that's where our hope is, we don't have any hope at all. But we can thank God that these false teachings that Paul's dealing with here are false. We can, we can praise God that Christ is risen from the dead. And if Christ is risen from the dead, then there is a resurrection. And if there is a resurrection, then we can have hope that goes beyond the, the, just the, the futility of this life, but that goes out into eternity. And that resurrection of Christ, it it does several things with regard to to who Christ was and who he claimed to be. Um, If Christ didn't rise from the dead, then he is a liar because he said he was going to die. And he said he was going to rise again. And he said that nobody was going to take his life from him, but that he would lay it down of himself and he would take it up again. And that he had the power to do that. Now you and I, we may have the power to lay down our lives. We certainly don't have the power to take them up again. But Christ did he had the power to rise from the dead and and he had that power you know it wasn 't just just uh, himself alone, but certainly the Father and the Spirit as well were working in that resurrection, but uh, Christ had a power that we don 't have, and that is that power of resurrection and he rose from the dead, and he can promise then that hope of resurrection to believers in him. In fact, the hope of resurrection, often when we think of the significance of Christ's resurrection and connected to to resurrection for us, um, we think of resurrection as a future thing. It certainly is true that there is a resurrection to come. There is a, a time to come when believers... Um, whether whether they are believers who have died or whether they are believers who survived to that day, are going to receive new bodies that are eternal bodies that are equipped to serve God forever. And that is a resurrection. But do you realize that the resurrection doesn't just mean something to us for the future. The resurrection for the believer in Christ has important significance right now. And I want you to turn over to... The book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. In fact, you know, it's interesting if, if you studied the book of 1 Corinthians how the major doctrinal issue at Corinth seems to be this matter of the resurrection. That's that's the doctrinal issue that Paul spends the most time correcting with the Corinthians. But you know that most of the book of Corinthians is a book of, um, of, of reproof because the Corinthians were involved in all kinds of things that as believers in Christ they should not have been involved in. And I don't think it's any accident that those two things are linked. That their their questioning of the resurrection of Christ and at the same time their their, uh, um, taking license with the grace of God were, I think, think, um, there's a reason why they were linked together. Uh, Because if you don't believe in the resurrection of Christ, where is your focus going to be? Your focus is going to be on these earthly things and you're going to live your life in a very earthly, worldly way uh here in colossians um this is a a you know there's some similar things here to some things that paul tells those corinthians and in colossians chapter 2 for instance he he you know, reminds them several things about their salvation, their position in Christ. He reminds them that they're not under the law. He warns them, for instance, in verse 18, uh, he says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility, worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head, from which all the body, by joints and bands, having nourishment, ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. Now, when he says there they're not holding the head, if you don't believe that Christ is alive, then there's no sense in which Christ can function as the head of the body of Christ. right? So if you, if you don't believe that there's resurrection, and you might even question the resurrection of Christ himself, then there isn't any way you can hold the head in the way that Paul describes here in this passage. To hold the head would be to heed the instructions as a member of the body of Christ, to heed the instructions that come from your head, the Lord Jesus Christ. If he's dead, that doesn't doesn't work. But... Verse 20, Colossians 3, verse 20, or 2, verse 20, rather, says, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship, humility, neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. First of all, Paul reminds those Colossians there that they are dead with Christ. He says if you're dead with Christ, and if you're a believer in Christ this morning, if you've trusted His finished work on the cross of Calvary, you are dead with Him. If you're dead with Christ from, from the rudiments, the, the, the basic elementary things of the world, if you're dead to those things, he's saying why is your focus on those things? You know, if the extent of somebody's faith is is based in what they don't eat and what they don't touch and what they don't handle and all these things. That's that's not the kind of faith God's interested in. Uh, in fact, you know that that uh, description there in verse twenty one when it says touch not, taste not, handle not. Most religious people, that's the extent of their religion. What things they eat, what things they they uh, handle, you know, and there certainly are some things that you ought not to do as a believer, right? But that's not what your position before God is based in. That's not even where, where your focus really is to be. He says if you're dead with Christ, if you're dead from those things, why is that all you think about and, and talk about or, or what you can't touch, taste, and handle? And then in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, "You're as believers, you're dead in Christ." But chapter three, verse one says, "If ye then be risen with Christ." Now, don't let the word "if" there confuse you. He's not asking a question. He's—he's he's not. There's no question about whether the believer in Christ is risen with Him. Uh, that's a—that's a, you know, a specific way of of using grammar it's kind of like if you say to a a child um, you know if you're 15 years old then act like it right or maybe you don't want them to act like they're 15 years old but anyway uh, you know you're not questioning you're saying since this is true you know do something in you know do something based in what is true So he says, if you're risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Without a belief in resurrection in general, and and certainly without a belief in the resurrection of Christ... There's, there's no way to set your affection on things above. Um, I mean, that belief by its, very, by its very nature would require that all of your attention be placed on things below, wouldn't it? wouldn't it? Wouldn't it say that's what you need to focus on? But understanding that Christ is risen and understanding that we are risen with Christ as believers, believers are already risen with him. Notice that's in the past tense. It doesn't say, if you're going to be risen with Christ. It says, if you be risen with Christ. There is a position that the believer in Christ has of being dead with him and also being raised with him. And being raised with him right now, you see. It says, if ye be risen with Christ. In fact, uh, in, in Ephesians, it maybe even makes it a little more clear. Go back to Ephesians. chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2. This would be a parallel passage to that passage in, in uh, Colossians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, And you hath he quickened. And to quicken means to make alive, or it would be very similar to resurrect. You hath he quickened, "...who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If if you're a believer in Christ today, you are seated in heavenly places. Now you're not physically in heaven, you're here on earth. But spiritually and positionally, you have a seat, you have a position. That is heavenly and not earthly because you're already risen with Christ. Okay, and that's a that's a deep truth to to comprehend. In fact, uh, in in closing, you can turn over to the book of Philippians. We'll get one more passage here. Philippians, chapter three. Here's one of the places where the apostle Paul gives a gives his testimony of salvation he says in in verse 7 after listing all of these things that he could boast in religious things that he had done and and just things about who he was as a person that people would consider to be valuable things he lists all of those things and in verse 7 he says but what things were gained to me those I counted lost for Christ Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. You know, to, to believe in Christ, it's not as if you can put your trust in Christ and put your trust in all of the, the things that you might think would make you uh, meritorious before God. You can't believe in both. Paul says to believe in Christ, he had to count all those other things as worthless. That's the reason many people never believe in Christ, because... To to take all those things that we're very proud about and to think that they can't play any part in our salvation. That's not something many people want to do. We want to think that we're pretty good people. We want to think that we've done lots of good things and we're at least better than the next guy. But you see what Paul says. He says he, he counted them but dung that, it, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And notice verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. He says, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And when Paul mentions the resurrection of the dead in that passage, he's not talking about a future physical resurrection. He talks about that in other places. But when he's talking about attaining to the resurrection of the dead, the Apostle Paul has absolute security as he writes this. He knows that he's going to be resurrected from the dead into a new body and, and live eternally. What he's talking here about is attaining in his walk... Living a resurrected walk. Not living a dead walk, dead in, like, like somebody who's dead in trespasses and sins, but living a life now, walking in newness of life and walking as alive unto God. Verse 12, he says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after. He's pursuing after uh, that that. Uh, resurrection of the dead, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. And he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, that ought to be our attitude as believers that we would desire for our lives to reflect who Christ is, and that when people look at us, they wouldn't see us walking in the deadness of the flesh, walking in the deadness of sin, but that they would see us walking alive unto God, that they would see us pressing toward that mark of attaining to the resurrection of the dead. And in fact, it's the resurrection of Christ that empowers us to be able to do that. We're no more able to serve God in the weakness of our flesh as believers than we were before we were believers. But as we stand in that power of Christ and we attain unto that resurrection of the dead, and we set our affection on things above and not things on the earth, that's where Christ is magnified in us. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com.